much of the university today is pumping in the idea that all religions say the same thing through this idea called perennialism. Perennialism says that there's basically one common factor or one common fact within every religion that basically validates all religions. But is that true? Well, when you think about it, 25% actually believe that all religions say the same thing. And that's in the Christian church. But then when you go and you think about it from the perspective of evangelical Christianity, 51% say that God accepts the worship of all religions. But even so, that's uh, gone up to even 70% with born-again Christians who say that God accepts the worship of all religions. But is that true? Well, on the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg, we are going to look at, again, this whole idea of religious pluralism and look at this perspective. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. If you are new to our show, you are listening to the background music of the show called The Pagan Invasion, and indeed we are involved in a war, an ideological war, where we are being invaded by pagan ideals in our culture today. One of those I want to address today being... This whole idea is, does all religions say the same thing? Or does God accept the worship of all the religions? You know, that seems to be a common thread that's being pushed through the universities and all. And I used to work with Ashio Christi, which is a great college university. If you ever have a chance to look at that ministry, look up ratiochristi.org. I got some good friends that are serving there. Also, I am getting ready to wrap up our apologetics to world religions with Cornerstone College. We are finishing up the semester. This is a course that I wrote for the school, and we've been teaching online for the last seven plus weeks or so. So this whole idea has come for this show today has actually come as a result of that and we want to deal with this whole subject of do all religions say the same thing? Well, I'm going to tell you no, and I'm going to give you my reasons why. You know, I've um, been dealing with this whole idea of religious pluralism for years, and I deal with these ideas from a worldview perspective. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this from a worldview perspective because I think that's probably the best way to do it. I think it's probably the strongest way to do it as far as the methodology because as soon as you start looking at some of the worldviews of some of these religions, you start to realize that they don't necessarily say the same thing. So let me defend that for us in this. And let me first off by ask, asking the, and answering the question, what is religious pluralism. Well, religious plural, pluralism 
is the ideology that is the driving force behind much of what we see today with regards to religious relativism in our culture and in many churches today. And this is a mood known as pluralization. Now, that's a big $10,000 word. Let me explain that to you. Essentially, pluralization is the mood in our culture where we have a competing number of worldviews where one no, not one worldview is dominant over another. So when we take a look at religious pluralism and look at this from the perspective of the pluralization in our culture, this is a situation characterized by a number of alternative religions of diverse perspectives on religion, with the resulting problem adherence of each religion's worldview of what attitude to take toward these other worldviews. In essence, the mood of pluralization is one of the engines driving relativism today. The other one is secularization. The other one is privatization. I won't get into those, but... Um, if you have any questions, please email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com, and I'll be more than happy to interact with you on that. So what about this view? Is it correct? Well, if you look at it from two different angles, if you look at it from a superficial versus a fundamental perspective, superficially... I would say that superficially, we can say it is superficially correct at best. And let me let me explain what I mean here before somebody goes sideways and thinking I'm going off the reservation here. The first thing we need to remember is those making the claim do not understand world religions. And they are making this claim out of ignorance based on several levels and I will go into these shortly, but to their credit, there are some areas in these religions where they are superficially correct. Now, again, let me hold your horses and before you start gasping and pulling the paper boy, if you have a paper boy dropping papers off in the morning, uh, put them on your, your front porch. All religions are superficially, in fact, that they are seeking to pursue right thinking, right feelings, and right actions. And of course, world religions, uh, the world religion is where this is the strongest is actually in Buddhism, where they have the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, where they try to eradicate desire. Now, if we are to assess the world religions to answer this a this question or this challenge, or even if you want to call it an objection, if you get it from your professor, we would have to start from the point of looking at them from their worldviews, as I mentioned to you, because this is where we see that there is a fundamental difference. There is a vast difference in saying something that is superficially correct versus dealing with the fundamentals of the claim itself, which is where the rubber meets the road. And it is like that these claims are driving the relativism bus, if you will. Picture a bus. Says relativism on the side. You get the idea. But anyway, this is where this claim is grossly in error, though. You know, the claim that all religions say the same thing or they all teach the same truths. They don't. Let's look at the definition first of a, of a worldview and, and deal with it from this perspective. One of my favorite books is The Universe Next Door. 
And on page 17, James Sire gives this world definition of a worldview that I think is very, very important. He says this, A worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed in a story or a set of presuppositions, whether those assumptions may be true, partially true, or grossly false. These are still set of presuppositions and assumptions. They are those which we hold, whether they are conscious, whether they are unconscious, whether they are consistent or inconsistent about the basic constitution of reality, and that provides a foundation on which we live and move and have our being. Now, that last phrase I love because Paul in Acts 17 talks about this, where he talks to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, talking about the God who made the world and everything in it, and then he finishes in which we live and move and have our being. Okay? So, looking at that perspective and that definition of a worldview, many people look at world religions from a surveyic perspective, they survey their teachings, they avoid the fundamental reasons of those teachings. So those fundamental reasons basically are enveloped in the worldview of the world religion. So when we look at monotheism, for example, we have two great, three great religions. We have Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. However, that there is a vast difference that our worlds apart, say like from the Judeo-Christian view in contrast to, say, Judaism partially gets it. They miss the Messiah. Christianity has the Messiah. And Islam rejects Jesus as being a Messiah and makes him only a prophet and a good teacher. This is a problem, as you can see, just from the perspective of the great monotheistic religions. And I talk about this in a quantitative, not a qualitative angle when I use the term great. Now, the difference between the Judeo-Christian faiths and the Islamic worldview is the difference between God being knowable versus God not being knowable, loving versus unloving, personal versus impersonal, interventional versus non-interventional. Everything in Islam is by fate or by kismet, or it's called Shia Allah, meaning the will of Allah. Now, I've talked to many Muslims before, and I've gone and I can validate these things from conversations. And this is very much unlike monotheistic Islam and Christian theism, because Christian theism is not fatalistic, it's providential. And God is has infinite foreknowledge. He is all-knowing, and he hence superintends the creation, or sustains the creation, allowing the free creature to choose freely to do his will or to reject it. And yet God does not forfeit his sovereignty due to man's actions, whether they are good or bad, okay? Now, while Allah is one God, that God in Islam is not triune. He's more of a monad. Now, if we are to look at the other religions, say the religions of the East, and we look at, say, pantheism, which is the worldview that says all is God, okay? We see that there are major religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, and very much different schools of, like, of Buddhism. You've got the Mahayana and the Theravada schools of thought, which are essentially atheistic. When we look at polytheism, the worldview says that there are many gods. We see that there are religions like the pagan religions of Wicca and even Hinduism with over 300 million deities and classical Mormonism. 
we see that that is polytheistic as well. It isn't the same God, Elohim is not the same God in Mormonism as we read in the very first verses, Bereshit Elohim Barach, where it says in the beginning, God created one God and the plural of majesty, third person singular verb, um, says that he created the heavens and the earth, but that use the plural noun, which means Moses might have had an idea of the plural nature of the deity, well, especially when you go and you look at Genesis and it says, let us create man in our image. He wasn't talking to the angels. Angels had nothing to do with creation. But nevertheless, you have... Uh, a d indirect reference to God's plural nature and the plurality in, in the Trinity is not totally disclosed until we start seeing things later on. So when we deal with these questions of a worldview, I like to go and take four or five questions and go and like bring these in. Origin, meaning morality, destiny, and being. Let's deal with the origin question first. The question of origin means is the question of where do we come from? Uh, is man created in the image and likeness of God that Christianity believes, or is man going through a samsaric cycle of the laws of karma, or is our existence accidental causation? Um, and, and the questions fly, but they really don't land very well. When we look at the question of meaning is what is the purpose for our existence or, or why are we here? What is the purpose for our existence? Depending on which religion one embraces, life can have meaning and purpose by glorifying God in a personal relationship or a life, or a life that is relative to what you make it. And then there are also philosophical dilemmas that can arise trying to fill that void for the next meaningful experience. And when I was an atheist, I, I experienced this whole thing. I was looking for the right relationship at the right time and, you know, only finding out that those pe that people let me down and people will let you down. You know, that is a fact of life. I hate to say it. But, you know, unfortunate though it may be. And that's because of the next one with regards to morality. You know, if you hold to morality being right and wrong and right and wrong being absolute, you probably fall under a Judeo-Christian framework. In fact, the origin, the origin of right and wrong, what is foundational source of ethic is the ethical framework. So if you look at Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, which says morals are absolute, and that they are rooted in God, this is where we would agree, and that maybe we could have a, a cordial discussion on a panel uh, forum where we could go and talk about a moral issue in our society. Of course, the results of that might be a little bit different, but nevertheless, that may still be the case. But if you look at the monotheistic religions, you know, they would go and say, you know, yeah, they are. They're based on the Old Testament, New Testament, and of course, Islam breaks his... Islam, Islam bases, <laughs> rented lips here today, um, Islam bases their views on the Quran and the Hadith. So, okay, the question of destiny is where do we go after this life is over? It's, this is known as also as a postmortem survival dogma. And the postmortem survival dogma is in every religion, even atheism. You know, what happens to us, okay? Where do we go when this life is over? 
Uh, every religion holds to the existence of a deity and multiple deities, and they believe that there is an afterlife of some kind after this. Life is over. Do I go to heaven? Do I go to hell? Do I get reincarnated? Uh, do, is it moksha and nirvana? Or is it exploding into the personal void? How many karmic cycles does one have to go through in order to get things right? Um, a lot of times when I talk to people who believe in reincarnation, I ask them, what were you before this life in order that you got it wrong in order for you to be reincarnated to the life you're in now. And of course they say, I don't know, you know, and that's the fascinating thing about the fact that reincarnation does not work. The question of being is now the one that's really being, um, debated, I guess you could say today, because when you look at, um, gender bending and you look at, uh, binary sexuality versus multi-sexualities and all. Now we see that we have lost our moorings on who we are. And our being is actually uh, rooted and grounded in our DNA. So it doesn't matter what you think you are. I could believe I'm a six-foot Chinese woman, or I could think I'm, you know, a... A, uh, a dog. I, I could think I'm a uh, crossbred between, say, like a German Shepherd and a Chihuahua with a human body. You know, I could be anything I want to be based on t today's society, even though uh, that wouldn't be true, because my DNA is rooted and grounded in um, my DNA. My being is rooted and grounded in my DNA. And that determines your sexuality and your, your, your genetic redistribution through procreation and all those other fun things. So when you deal with the category of postmortem survival dogmas, you deal with the whole question of origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being, you see that these religions come from their worldviews. So when you deal with, uh, say, like the postmortem survival dogma, of Islam believes in paradise and they have to be martyred in an act of jihad level five uh, in order to be able to obtain paradise guaranteed or they have to do more good than bad and they have to balance off the scales and they have to do more good but how do they know that they don't they can't they can't know they have to do the the, they have to pray the Shahada, which is the declaration. They have to do Salat, which is five times a day. They have to do Ramadan. They have to do Zakat, which is almsgiving. They have to deal with uh, when they grow up. And if they have enough money, they have to go do um, the Hajj, go walk around the big block in Mecca. It, 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 it's just not... It just does not wash to think that Islam and, say, Hinduism or Buddhism say the same things because they don't. So when it comes to worldviews, we can see that there's a, there are a plethora of problems total, that totally show that the claim that all religions saying the same thing is totally, fundamentally erroneous. Not all of the religions answer the worldview questions with the same answer. And again, the problem falls in the in the in the parameters, let's say, of your worldview, is it going to be a coherent worldview where each answer with those questions of origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being, the answer to the following one builds off the previous one, okay? They have to do that. Now, 
when we look at these, we see that the worldview does not line up. So when you think of the coexistence bumper sticker, you think of the tolerance bumper sticker, and some of those, those are pretty intolerant. And they don't work because if you look at all the religions, every embracer of the religion that they embrace, they believe it's absolutely true or else they wouldn't embrace it. That's another problem with this. So, you know, you talk about all the religions coming together. It is going to take a pretty charismatic individual to go and break that barrier down to tell a Muslim that, hey, you know, you, you and your Hindu friends need to get to get get uh, together and come together and agree on some things. And that basically is that all religions say the same thing. That's going to have to be a pretty charismatic leader in order for that to happen. But not here. <laughs> okay? Not here. It's not going to happen here with us because I believe Christianity is the true religion. Why? Because Jesus is risen from the dead. If you're a friend of mine on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I had gone and set up some graphics with regards to the crucifixion and where the nails went and the whipping and how the art of crucifixion was invented by uh, pagans before the Romans perfected it. And then if you go and you look at those and all the details of it, you see that Jesus died as yours and my substitute, you know, and and that's another thing, too. You know, if you look at the 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 books, you look at the Vedas, the Upanishads and the uh, the um, the Gita, they don't say the same thing as the Triptataka of Buddhism. They don't say that these books, the Triptataka, the Vedas, Upanishads, and Gita, don't say the same thing as the Quran, and the Quran does not say the same thing as the Bible. Let me give you an example of this. You know, when you look at this, and you look at the Bible, that the Bible claims and points to the fact that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and that he died on a cross to pay for our sins, and then he rose from the dead. He prophesied that. But the Quran denies that. And what does it have to say about the most competitive monotheistic religions? Well, number one, it is clear that the New Testament tells us that Jesus is historically crucified by the Roman government and that we have secular sources to prove that as well. So we have both secular and sacred. Islam does not have that. But did Jesus prophesy his death, burial, and resurrection absolutely did. Matthew 27, 32 to 61. Mark 15, 21 to 47. Luke 23, 26 to 56. And even John's gospel, John 19, 28 to 42. What does the Quran say? Well, the Quran states the total opposite and speaks against the crucifixion. Here's what it says in Surah uh, 4. Ayahs 156 to 59, it says the following. They said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. But they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was to make appear to them, and those who differ therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for of a surety they killed him not. 
Well, do you realize that young Pakistani Muslims today are now questioning that ayah, those ayahs in that surah? There are people today in Islam that are going and questioning that right now as far as whether that's authentic. And if that is the case, then the Quran is a wipeout because it's just like if one verse of the Bible is not true, then everything else in the Bible could be suspect. If this is suspect in the Quran, then the rest of the Quran is suspect, and I believe it is. But what does it say about the claim about all the religions saying the same thing? Well, they don't, worldview-wise, nor source-book-wise. And of course, postmortem survival dogma-wise as well were the questions. So let me wrap this up here. Let me wrap this up by asking and answering if all these religions say the same thing. Where are they similar? Well, as we have seen, the world religions seek to pursue in some way, right thinking, right feeling, right actions, uh, keeping a moral law, but not all think the same things and think the same way fundamentally, not all interpret feelings the same way, not uh, all um, thinking is the same, not all reactions or actions are determined to be in the right context or the same context. They may do something that Muhammad decided to do or, or did with, after checking the, uh, after the hadith that Jesus affirms that we should do as Christians. But then there are other things in the Hadiths that are not affirmed in the Bible where um, what we would do, if we were to do what it says in the Hadith about killing the infidel, let's say, uh, obviously Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> okay. So, you know, there's a lot of problems here. So let me give a, let me close with an illustration. You know, you can take the gurus out of Hinduism and someone would come along and they would start a, a religion like what we see in Hinduism today. If you took Gautama Buddha, uh, if he did not come along and someone would eventually would come along and respond to the fact of the, the caste system and the Vedas, uh, questioning those as, as it was with Gautama, and somebody would come along and form a religion like Buddhism or some derivative thereof, so you can take the starters of each of these religions who are all dead, Muhammad included, and someone would come along and create a religion very similar to what we see today. You can remove the gurus, remove Gautama, remove Muhammad from Islam, and you will still have some similar form of religions that we see today. But friends, Christianity is different. That's right. It is different. Because if it is different because it's based on a person, Jesus Christ, where if you took Christ out of Christianity and it and it would have um, let me let me see if I can put it this way. Christianity is different. It's different in that you cannot take Christ out of Christianity and have the same tenets of Christianity. Why? Because Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. But if you take Christ out of Christian, you have the word, the letters I-A-N, and I like to put it the way my friend Michael Ramston says it, 
You can take the Christ out of Christian, and you have Ian, and Ian cannot help you. Jesus made some claims that no other religious leader ever made about his life, truthfulness, and mission on why he came. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if that sounds narrow, take it up with Jesus. The apostles agreed with Jesus when he stated that before religious authorities, that there is salvation in no one else for no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. You see, religion is what man does trying to reach up to satisfy God's requirements for salvation. But this is the difference with biblical Christianity, because the difference with Christianity is that God reaches down to man, doing what man cannot do to satisfy God's requirements, by becoming a man, sinless, perfect, going to a cross, and dying for your sins and mine. What you and I cannot do, Jesus did for us. Religion is what man does. Christianity is what God did and God does through his son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the difference. You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. If you do have any questions, please email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. That's right. That's Rob Lundberg, all one word, 315 at gmail.com. As you go out this week, as you go and live day to day, you and I are going to encounter people along the way. And we are to shine the one who said that he is the light of the world. We are to reflect that light as the moon reflects the sun on a moonlit night. If you're looking out over the ocean and you're seeing a beautiful full moon, that is the sun reflecting the, the, the moon in order to light up the night. That's how we are to be when we are as Christians. We are not planets. But we are to reflect the light of the world. And as I always like to conclude my podcast, we are to go out and give them heaven. So as you do go out this week, if you do have any questions, again, email me at roblinbert315. But as you go out this week, Lord willing, we'll have another podcast next week. We are looking at video. We're wrapping up a semester. Thank you for your prayers. Keep our family in our prayers. Keep our, our friends in your prayers as well as we've got interactions with those out there. Um, so, oh, also, um, keep the keep our friends at Adventurous Apologetics in your prayers as they are in Uganda uh, for another week. And keep them in your prayers as well as they are doing some uh, catalytic meetings as far as equipping apologists uh, in, in Uganda. And hopefully we'll be doing some work with them as well online and maybe with folks overseas. So as you go out this week, you can tell we're busy. We've got enough irons in our fire. It's a blessing that we can have this podcast. But as you go out this week, uh, go out, uh, be the light of the world. Go out, be ready to share conversations. Listen before you speak. Listen very carefully. 
with both ears. You've only got two ears and one mouth. Make sure you exercise both of those, but more importantly, go out and give them heaven. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you next week. God bless. <laughs>